0: Let's pray, Lord, we turn to you and ask that you would open our ears to your word. Lord, I pray that if there's anything of me, you would just make it fall to the ground and make it inconsequential. We want to hear from you. We want to hear from your, the wisdom of your eternal word. Lord, it's been inspired through the Holy Spirit for us, and we are so glad we are recipients of your grace, your grace that changes everything, and we're members of your kingdom, so we give you the glory, and Lord, I ask you would use me this morning and use us as a church, in Jesus' name, amen. I've got to start off by saying it is such a thrill and an honor to be standing here um, I looked at the picture you have, the tree with the roots. Um, I remember the prayer meeting in Dundalk where that hippie, I hope he's not watching, Clay, (laughs) got this picture of a tree with roots. And I just, I've got to tell you, I'm thrilled. I'm standing here and looking and saying... Look at what God is doing. Not Clay, not me, not Danny. Look at what God is doing. So there's something special. I'm going to get into the word now in a minute, but I want to say this. We've come down to Waterford for a couple of days and um, the Holy Spirit is bouncing over your town. It's the only way I can describe it. The Holy Spirit in this area is bouncing. Now, where we're ministering, how would I describe it? It's like plowing granite, okay? (laughs) Guys, the Holy Spirit's bouncing over your town, And you are going to see great things happen. And this church has been established for a purpose. And God is in control. You have wonderful people. You've got Danny and D. You guys need to treasure them. Close your ears. You, you need to honor, get behind them. Something amazing is happening in this town. Um, and it's I, I all I can describe it is, as I am walking around this town, it's like the Holy Spirit's bouncing. And the Holy Spirit's got to bounce for me to notice it because I'm normally slow on the uptake, okay? So be aware. Be Begin to ask the Lord, what is it you want me to do? What is it you want us to do? Because you guys are going to be such a witness in a town that needs Jesus. And, and I just want to just want to encourage you. I need to get that out of the way before I start. Right, let's turn to the word. Jonah chapter one, verse one to three. <clears throat> this is about the fourth, no, the third message I've prepared for this morning. Because like I say, sometimes I'm slow on the uptake. I want to read Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah... Rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. There are the minor prophets in the Old Testament are full of so many really important principles for us. And we've got to discern what is it the Lord has to say to us through books like Jonah, through books like Daniel. Um, and I, I really believe this is a word in season... For the church in Ireland, I believe this is a word in season for this church. We pick up in verse 1 of chapter 1 where we're told very dramatically. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Saying, there's no lead up, there's no context. We're not told the back story, we're not told if Jonah was fresh out of Bible school. We're not told if Jonah knew all the things he needs to know. We're not told whether he was waiting for the word of the Lord or was he rebelling from the Lord already. We're not told any of that. But what we are told is that the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And the question I want to ask you, I'll ask a lot of questions. It's easy to do because I won't be here next week. He can answer all the questions, right? The question for you is, are you you calling out to the Lord? What's the word of the Lord for me? What's the Lord asking me to do? Strength of the church isn't in the pastor. Strength of the church is in the body. The church are the called out saints of God. And every one of us has a role. Every one of us has a job to do. Every one of us has a calling. And we're going to get into that. We're going to unpack that a little bit as we go along here. But let me just lay some groundwork by asking, if the Lord was to speak to you today, how would you react? The seriousness of it. The direction. The clarity. Because when God speaks to us, nothing else matters. So what is it that the Lord said to Jonah? Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. For their evil has come up before me. So we move very quickly in this book of Jonah. And I do encourage you, read it from start to finish. It's fantastic. I don't have time this morning. But read it from start to finish. It is so relevant for us today. It's a very simple message at one level. And God, when he speaks, it's very clear. It's very simple. And yet, it challenges Jonah to his very core. It will challenge Jonah's theological belief. It will challenge Jonah's racial beliefs. It will challenge him to his very core. And yet, we can read it and say, oh, this is so simple. Just go to Nineveh. But we need to unpack this and understand it because it's a message for us today. There are layers in this message in terms of the implication that we need to unpack. So go to Nineveh. We all like a break. We all like to go on our holidays. I've got to tell you, Nineveh would not be on your holiday destination, right? Unless you really need pastoral help. The city of Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. It was a large and prominent city in its day. It's not in Israel, and God called Jonah to go to a pagan Gentile city and call them to repentance. Now, if Instagram was around then, what you would see is pictures of skulls, uh, amassed like pyramids. So what the Assyrians did, these were a really nice bunch of people. They would go and conquer people. And they would chop their heads off. They would boil their heads, right? We won't go any deeper. We're not doing a show and tell this morning, so don't worry about it, okay? And they would put the skulls of their conquered victims in tributes of pyramids as you came in to the city. Who's really excited to go to Nineveh? Yeah. Historians say that Nineveh was the largest city in the world at that time. It was a large, important capital of a dominating empire and surely would have been an intimidating place to go. What does the message say indirectly? God is concerned about the whole world. I think Israel and Israelis in the day would have thought, that's just such a wicked city. God will never be interested in it. But God was interested in it. Why is God interested in Dundalk or even Waterford? Because his son came to die for every person in here. So we've got to begin to expand our vision to understand God is concerned for the state of the nations. God is concerned for the state of the cities. There is no city in this world that is beyond God's touch. But actually, he needs people to go. And we're going to see this. We don't have a bus, by the way, waiting to go to Nineveh, just in case you think that's going to be the end of this. We're going to figure out that Nineveh is actually all around us. And we're called to go. God is concerned with the whole world. You see, Jonah, I think, and as he wrestles through all of this in the subsequent chapters, I think Jonah believed The benefits of God's grace were given along racial lines and as an Israeli, he was in the covenant. And he had the blessing. And he had the law. And he had the prophets. And he had everything that was needed. And the world was really, really simple. There were Jews and there were Gentiles. And we'd never let that Thinking creep into our thinking? Sure we wouldn't. Well, there are Christians and there are the rest of the world. God's concerned for your neighbor. God's concerned for your enemy. God's concerned for the people who are making life tough for you. And he might be calling you to reach out to them. Even though they're intimidating. Even though they're evil. Even though they are f- shaking their fist at God. God may be calling you. So... Jonah believed, I think, that he was a recipient of grace because he was Jewish. But God here is revealing that his concern is for the whole world. Don't forget, part of the calling of Israel was to be a blessing to the nations. Genesis chapter 12 verse 2, and I will make of you a great nation, this is God's call to Abraham and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Now, so in its foundation, Israel was called, Israel was set apart. We know that God is not finished with the nation of Israel. It's part of his plan. We are grafted onto the olive tree and we know that God has an amazing, amazing plan for this whole world. But at its foundation, Israel was called to be a blessing. Now, why is that relevant? Because I believe the church is called primarily to be God's witness in the world. And if we don't do the job that we're called to do, there are real consequences. So Jonah had this crisis of faith, this crisis of conscience. how can you send me to a pagan city? Surely what we need to happen here is that the pagans become Jews and then they come to us. And you see the way Jonah might be thinking that if these if stinking these pagans want God's blessing, then they need to come and bow the knee. Then they need to come and become Jewish. And, and as I was studying this, I, I, I was convicted. Oh, you know, yeah, if 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 you're struggling in your life, you need to come, you need to get your life straight and then come to Jesus. You need to and, and the more I think about it, the more I realise we need to bring Jesus to where the people are. And they don't need to get their lives sorted. They need to meet Jesus. And then their lives will get sorted. And our churches are going to have to become a little messier. And our churches are going to have to become full of people that we are a little kind of, well, you know, do we hug transgender people? Do we welcome people who are struggling with homosexuality? Do we allow people who are living in sin come to church? Let people meet Jesus and let him change them. Let's not make them change before they meet Jesus. And this is one of the Pictures, and this is one of the themes that come out of Jonah. God is saying, Go! Don't bring them, go to them. I'm glad it's Jonah who's called to Nineveh, because I'm a coward, but it wasn't as simple as just, This is going to be tough. This was shaking Jonah to his very, very root. And Jonah was to go to Nineveh and call out against the city. Because their evil has come up before God. Now, this is a really interesting point. I'm getting old. Sorry, that's not a kind of revelation to anybody. I, In my other job, I work with demographics and pension projections and all this kind of good stuff. And I look in the mirror and I go... No, I'm still middle-aged. And I like, go, oh, not by the statistics, I'm not. But I keep saying it, right? I will keep saying it. I think I'm middle-aged. The world is getting darker. And as Christians, we can start shrinking from the battle. The world is getting darker. Do you know what that means? God's light is getting brighter. God's light is getting brighter. You're a changed life. You need to let your light, what, Shine. We need to bring, like it's, it, I love fellowship. One of the things that I realize more and more is I love fellowship. You see, in lockdown, yeah, we could Zoom, we could do whatever. It wasn't the same. There's something, a real blessing about coming together. There's a real blessing about worshiping together. Worship was beautiful this morning. Real blessing. And our life can get encouraged in here. Our light can be just helped and and we can get the help we need but we need to bring that light to dark places right because Nineveh's the evil of Nineveh came up before God you know the evil of where we live and where we minister is coming up before God the evil of this town is coming up before God and God is saying I want you guys to go and to be my witnesses and bring the message to the people Not wait for the people to come. Not wait for the people to change. Not wait for the people to, you know, wear the three-piece suit if you're coming to to teach on a Sunday or whatever it is. No. Come and meet Jesus because he changes lives. If you change life because of me, it's religion. If you change your life because you've met Jesus, it's different. It's relationship. It's real. It's the Holy Spirit moving through you. And it will last. So we've got to, we've really, really got to understand this. That the evil of the cities that we live in, the evil of the countries that we live in, is coming up before God and He's looking for people to go. So, are you going to be somebody who will go? It's also important because it tells us that God sees the sin of the world and nobody escapes His scrutiny and no one will escape from His justice. God is a judger of sin. In my salvation, in my testimony, I'm somebody who was scared into God's kingdom. Now, if you go to Bible school, they will tell you, don't don't scare people, right? Nobody scared me. I had this sense, this overwhelming sense, as an 11-year-old, that I had a sin problem that nobody could deal with. And if I didn't get this dealt with, I would die. The only person who could take this sin away was Jesus. I wasn't drawn to God because of love, I wasn't drawn to God because of anything else, then I am going to die if this burden can't be lifted. God's justice and his love go side by side. And we need to understand that we need to tell people there is a spiritual tsunami coming. There is judgment. Jesus is not all fluff and light one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible is when he comes on a white horse to sort things out. And he's coming with a sword. And he's coming to make war against the nations. And we need to tell people, you need to get ready because judgment is coming. And judgment is coming on our cities. And judgment is coming on our nation. and judgment. But God is saying to us, we need to go because the time is open for us right now to reach out to people. So such is the evil of this city that God wanted to send a prophet, a spokesperson, somebody to bring the message to the city. Now, up to this point, it all seems fairly simple. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Jonah gets a very simple, but it's a deep word. And he told him, I want you to go that way to a wicked, intimidating city. In our culture today, our cities and our countries are beginning to look like Nineveh or they're beginning to leave Nineveh in the shade. We look at our health system, we look at our education system, we look at the problems that are in this world. We look at the fact that there are people dying because they don't have food to eat and they don't have water to drink. And we in the West throw out more food and water than is needed to feed the whole world the evil of this world the evil of our cities Nineveh is here with us our cities have become wicked ungodly places the people in Nineveh are wicked and it's this and I'm reiterating this point but it's really important told you I'm a slow learner so I need to say it to me a second time We think that these people, if they're going to come under God's grace, they need to sort themselves out first. Our churches are going to have to resemble field hospitals where people are coming out in with half a leg. People are coming in with blood spilling out of everything. We are going to have to understand our churches are going to have to become like a field hospital where we are tending to people who are broken, we have generations. I never believed growing up we would have a generation who don't know what male and female is. Now it's easy for me to stand here and point the finger and start railing and say, but you know what? I need to, and we need to be the hands of Jesus and embrace people. So I don't have the answers, but I know somebody who does. But we've got confusion out there. We've got people who are broken hearted because they can't have children. And we've got people who are aborting children. We've got issues of injustice. We've got issues of exploitation. We've got all of these issues. And we've got to understand that we've to welcome these people into our churches. So they can meet Jesus and Jesus can change them. Where would he be this morning if he was here? In Waterford he wouldn't be here. You guys are all right. You're on his team. He'd be out there finding the people who need him. He'd be out there finding the brokenhearted, find find those who society have rejected, people who have never been hugged in 40 years because they stink. What if God tells you, "Go, go hug that person? What if by hugging somebody, you tell them, you see them as a person, you see the image of God. We can talk about it and we can say we're pro-life and we're pro this and we're pro are we hugging the stinky people because spiritually i'm a stinky person And jesus hugged me and he made me right we need to change our thinking here or maybe i just need to change your thinking you guys are going oh we're we're there already we have all this sorted out and maybe that's it if you look at the issue of grace grace changes everything it is amazing it is outrageous we love to be recipients of it, and then we become Pharisees. Are you going? Is God going to show grace to that person? Yes, He is, because He showed it to you. Um, God will look to meet us where we are. What is our message to the lost, to the confused, to the bewildered, to those whose society have left behind? to those who don't know what body they are in. They don't know who they are. And the answer is, oh, we'll change things, but the pain doesn't go away. What is our answer to people who are looking for life, who are carrying burdens that no one but Jesus can lift? It has to be, come to Jesus, he will change you. Not sort yourself out and then come to Jesus come just as you are now are you guys ready are you ready for the spiritually smelly people to come in here on a sunday morning and you guys are going to have to embrace them and love them are we ready because we're his hands and feet and something I, there's there's an explosion coming to this church guys you need to be ready We can't tell the lost to sort yourselves out and then come to Jesus. We have to say, come on, I don't have the answers. I know who does. And he's amazing. Let me say this, because sometimes it's one of the issues that we have. You can welcome the lost without being soft on sin. I'm not talking about becoming seeker sensitive. I'm not talking about let's not talk about truth. Jesus spoke truth. I was following a Twitter, it's kind of discussion, but nothing gets discussed on Twitter, but anyway, about somebody who was talking about the thing that was said in Kerry by the priest, and some of us might be aware of it, and some of us mightn't, and everyone said, Jesus never said an unkind word to anyone, and I'm thinking, you guys ever read the Bible? My Jesus took a whip of cords out and kicked tables up in the air and said, get out. That wasn't nice. He's coming back on a horse to actually wage war with the nations. The picture we have of Jesus is wrong. But we can welcome the loss without being soft on sin. God and his Holy Spirit will convict people of sin. The Holy Spirit will do it. I don't have to do it. I don't have to say to somebody, if you want to come into our church, you have to change it. I have to say, come into the church, meet Jesus. He'll change it. He will change it. Okay, I'm rambling a little bit, but I'm coming back. Verse 3. Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. If Joppa's here and Nineveh's here, Tarshish is over there. Okay, It's in Spain. Jonah decided, I'm going to go to Spain for the holidays. This is a really sad verse. Um, Jonah rose to flee from the presence of the Lord. He went from the port city of Joppa. He got on a boat that was going to the other side of the known world at that point. Now there's a lot for us to unpack here. Let's start with the thought of fleeing from the presence of the Lord. You see, Jonah thought that God's presence was in Israel. And while God is interested in Israel, and while Israel has a special part in God's plan, he is God of the world. He is God of the universe. He is God of the multiverse and the cosmos. Everything that's been created, God is the God of. The things that our telescopes have yet to see, and scientists say new evidence, there's new things we can see that we couldn't see yesterday, that tells us something. Yeah, it tells us we've a better telescope, but God made it. So he's created all of this and he is the master and the upholder of life. And he is in everywhere. So there is nowhere we can go to flee from the presence of the Lord. But Jonah thought he could. Why? Because Jonah was convinced that God's presence was in Israel now as a side note some of us are like that when we come to church we come to church you put your sunday morning face on you suck a lemon before you come to church find a big bible to tuck under your arm and you're ready to go you look sanctimonious and holy and kind of studious you know that kind of right but on monday it's your time i can do what i want why well i'm not in that place that i go where i am with god and so we can have that same kind of experience of trying to flee from the presence of the lord not possible guys because wherever you go he's there with you his presence is within you he's put his holy spirit in you so you cannot flee from the presence of the lord but like i say here this is sad because jonah believed once i get out of israel i'm on my own um if anybody hasn't read the rest of jonah spoiler alert he's going to figure out not only is he god of the world he's also god of Big fish, and Jonah eventually is going to come to his senses when he's bleached by the ins- being inside a fish for a couple of days, stinking of other little fish and bones and everything. And he's going to be vomited out, this is in the Bible, onto a beach, and he's going to tell everybody to repent. At which stage, you've got to think, everyone's going to think, I'm going to repent because if this guy is coming, we're in trouble, right? You cannot escape from the presence of the Lord. So don't fall into the Sunday morning trap of Sundays I give God. The rest of the week is mine. He's with you. Taking your presence. You're taking his presence with you where he goes. So that's the first thing that's sad. The second thing that's sad is this. Jonah had a specific calling and he was running from it. One of the saddest things I deal with in ministry... So lots of happy things. One of the saddest things I deal with in ministry is when I see a calling that is on somebody to do something, and somebody ignores it or walks away from it. It's heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking. There's normally a great story in a great context. Well, I, you know, I haven't I don't know Greek and I don't know Hebrew and I haven't studied Aramaic, so I'm not really ready to be used by the Lord. But next year I'm 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 going to be used by the Lord. And then ten, after ten years, ten of those next years, a decade has gone, and you're still looking at somebody who's running away from their calling. And then they say to me, Well, why is it I feel far from God? And you're kind of going, okay. God's called you to something. And you're ignoring that call. And then you're saying, what, like, why do I feel far from God? You're running from him. And you're not doing what God has called you to do. And you're robbing people of the blessing of your ministry. So God is looking at you and saying, you're a spoiled brat but you're still expecting blessing. Oh, yeah, that's because I'm special. I have a different diet. I, I, I don't know. It's like I've got a different deal with God. He understands me. Yeah, he does. But he's also called you to do this. And I just want to throw out... This is a great thing about being here this morning. I can walk out the door and that's it then. <laughs> Let me just throw out... I Look, on the law of averages... In this room, there are people who, I don't know your story, but I'm going to tell you, you're fleeing from your calling. And, and don't worry, I'm, I'm not kind of like the Holy Spirit is saying, person on the seventh row wearing this or that. And I, listen, this is just pure averages, right? Because I've been around churches for a while. There are so many people who will... Run from their calling. And then they look at this chaos that's happening in their life. And then they look at the pastor and they blame him. It's his fault. What's not you? It's your fault. If God has spoken to you. And he's called you to do something. With the greatest respect. Grow up and do it. And I mean that lovingly. I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that lovingly. Because when you begin to do what God has called you, he adds to that calling. And all of a sudden then you're feeling like, I've got that presence of the Lord with me. I've got this, his hand is on me. The saddest thing is when people run away from his calling. I love that God is a God of second chances, and for those of us who need them, he's a God of third chances, and fourth and fifth. He won't give up on us, but there are implications to us not doing what we've been called to do, and we need to figure that out. When I talk to these people, I hear a lot of context as to why they're not following God's calling. It's sad. It's sad, because it's always, yeah, there's a story. Oh well I was feeling that but I wasn't confident or somebody said boo to me or whatever it is and you've got to say you're missing the calling of your life. I have been, we have been planting, pastoring a church for what does Mr. Brennan say, for more years than I care to remember, for 24 years right, I don't know where the 24 years have gone, it is 24 is it? Yeah yeah okay, the keeper of the the secret is nodding it's 24 years i see so much wasted potential cuz i see people who are better than i am doesn't doesn't worry me if if god wants to put me out to grass and to pasture quicker because there's better people to come what a blessing what a blessing that there's a next generation to carry the torch what a blessing But I see so much wasted potential. The potential that is in this room, by the way, spiritually is frightening. It's not that you guys, you're not frightening. The potential spiritually that's in this room is frightening. Because God has called every one of us in this room to do something for him. You start doing this, guys, you're going to have to buy half a water for it to meet. Because the walls just will not, you'll need to start going this way and that way. Why? Because the potential is huge. Every one of us is called. It's sad. Jesus is really clear about this. Luke chapter 9, verse 62. By the way, this is the words of Jesus who doesn't say kind of harsh things to anyone. It's like, yeah, okay. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. He didn't really mean that. Sure, he didn't. That was kind of just, ah, listen, lads, would you just be serious? No, this is serious. These are the words of our Savior who says no one who puts his hand to the plow, no one who says I'm going to start plowing this field and I've got to watch what I'm doing and the the direction is forward. No one who puts their hand to the plow and then looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. I believe our spiritual health and our spiritual wellness and our fellowship with God is wrapped up in responding to our calling there are so many people who turn back there are so many people like jonah who get a specific call but will not respond to it or will ignore it or will turn from it so let me ask you another hard question what are you called to Now if you can't answer that question and you're a Christian there's trouble. Now, what are you called to? And Here's the great thing about our calling. If you're willing and able and I'm going to go out on a limb here I mightn't get a call back ever but that's okay. I'm big enough and ugly enough to get over that you come to talk to Danny and say, is there anything that needs to be done in this church? I'd say he's got a list. And if you're somebody who says, I want to figure out my calling, and some of us hear this kind of, oh, you're called to Nineveh, right? And others, well, I don't know, but I can sweep the floor. Start sweeping the floor for Jesus. Start somewhere, and it will become evident what you're called to. no i'm called to teach i've i like teaching i'm going to let you in on a secret i'm a pastor i don't i don't naturally like people <laughs> so this is this is confession time i don't i'm you meet my wife she's bubbly she's like boom she's you know she's a hugger so was my son. no i said i wouldn't go there i nearly did I'm not. But God can call you and use you. And sometimes calls you and uses you and says, I want you out in your comfort zone. So I want you to really think about this. What are you called to? And do you know where that calling is to be fulfilled? Because I think two things, God calls us to do something and God calls us to do that something somewhere. And I think it has to be in a local church where you can be encouraged and you can be helped. He's calling you guys to do something here. What is it? And it's an individual calling. If you don't know what it is you're called to. And if it is that you don't know where it is that you're called to do it, you might be in danger of being led astray. One of my favorite awkward conversations with people in our church is when they come to us and say, come to me and say, and you always know they come at you kind of sideways. You know when somebody's kind of, they're coming that way and you go, this is going to be an interesting conversation. I'm getting nothing out of this church. Now, 10, 15 years ago, I would have sat down. Well, let's try and understand this. Now, I'm a little bit kind of more. Let's get to the point. Okay. Before I answer or address that question, let me ask you a question. What are you bringing to this church? Well, that's not what I want to talk to. Yeah, but the two things are really, really connected. Because if you're in the church and not bringing anything, you are what's known in economic terms as a free rider you're coming along and drawing and expecting everybody else to give but if you're coming to a church and if this is your church and I tell you this is a strong church if this is your church and your roots are going down here what are you bringing because what you get out is going to relate there's a relationship between what you get and what you give and if you want to get more out of a church give more of yourself, your time, your talent, your treasure, the things that you're called to do, we've got to do it. Later in the story of Jonah, and for those of you who want to get out of here at some stage this morning, you would be glad to know we're only looking at three verses, but later in the story of Jonah, God intervenes and says to Jonah, you think you're going that way? No, I'm putting you on a return trip, but it's not in, a, in first class, by the way. It's in the belly of a whale. You're going to stink. You are going to be changed by this experience. And in the belly of the whale, you're going to call out to me and I'm going to save you. Isn't that interesting? God often saves us in pigsties and the bellies of a whale in really terrible places. And he does great things. We're going to see that. But there is a danger. That if you don't know what it is, you are... Called to, and if you don't know where it is you're called to, that you can be walking away from this. And that's sad. I'm nearly done. I know that's when a pastor or preacher says that, it's a little kind of, "Mm, is he really nearly done? I am. There's hope. I've got one passage and four questions, and then I'm done. Are we all called? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 10. For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. I don't know if you have the saying in Waterford, look at your man, he thinks he's God's gift. I know I'm God's gift because there's nothing in me that's good, right? Not as a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God preferred beforehand that we should walk in them. If you believe this, this verse 10 tells us, by the way I do because this is God's word inspired through his Holy Spirit. We are his workmanship. We are the output of his work. We've been created in Christ Jesus, not to look good on a spiritual shelf, but for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. If you don't know what it is you're called to, and if you you don't know where it is you're called to, and if you're not doing what you've been called to, You are not doing the things that God has prepared for you before the foundation of this world. Now, I would put it to you like this. The world is crying out for purpose. Who am I? Why am I here? Why is there something rather than nothing? And what is this rat race? There has to be more to life than this. Because even if I win it, I'm still a rat. This is destiny and this is purpose so i want you if 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 all you've heard is uh, some of my children when i'm speaking all they hear is wah 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 if all you hear is this guys seriously today ask god what is it you have made me for what is it you've created me for what have you put me here for you're going to see this church blossom You're going to see your life change because you are doing the thing that God created you to do. What purpose? Isn't that amazing? We can all have it. It's like, yeah, yeah, meh. We need to embrace this. So I'm finishing. I want to encourage you to figure out where you are in this story. We've looked at three verses. Are you waiting for the call of God? I don't know what it is I want to do. Go talk to Danny. Find out what needs to be done around here and start. Don't leave it 10 years. Are you hearing the call of God? I know what God has called me to I just don't want to do it. So I'm going to hold my breath like a spoiled brat and wait until God changes his mind. Good luck with that. Let me know how it goes on. Because I don't think he will. Are you heading to Nineveh? By the way, Nineveh, as I said, it's in our streets. It's in where we live. Are you heading to Nineveh? Or are you on the way to Tarshish? Are you going to the south of Spain? Now, I do want to say, if you're going on holidays, that's fine. Don't Please do not feel... It's not that going to Spain is a bad thing. But going to try and run away from God's call is... God has a destiny and a purpose for every one of us in this room. You don't need to know Greek. You don't need to know Hebrew. You just need to know Jesus and say, Lord, show me. And as we do that, our churches transform into these hives of activity for God's glory. And we become a light to a dying world. Go to Nineveh. The views are great. God's spirit will be with you and you will make a change in this world. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. Thank you for the honor it is to share in this place. Lord, I pray a blessing on this church. I pray your spirit to flow through the people who are in this church so that they can bring your message and your life to a dying world. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you, guys.